Here we are, Locked On NFL. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we will be taking you around the league. Everything happening Sunday afternoon, all the scores recapping Sunday's games. Should be a lot of fun. Some big games today. Matt, uh, I think we got to lead off with a battle of AFC South teams and some major implications in that division. And it was the Indianapolis Colts who won at home over the Houston Texans. Colts now 4-2. and two. Texans fall to 4-3. and three. That would put the Colts on top. 30-23 the final there. Yeah, and I'm excited to dig more into this one, to be honest with you, because serious playoff ramifications, serious AFC South ramifications, of course. And I really get the feeling now that both these teams are playoff teams, you know, especially considering they're in the AFC. Um, The Colts, my biggest takeaway is the Colts are just really hard to play against. I mean, they're so well prepared. They're fundamentally sound. They get a lot of people to the ball. They have a good line. They don't have massive weaknesses. When when T.Y. Hilton's playing, they're, they're explosive enough. They get guys like Ebron and peripheral players to make plays on both sides of the ball week after week. I love Jacoby Brissett, but I, a lot of times I watch the Colts this year and be like, man, what if Andrew Luck were still there? <laughs> you know, like right. This one might be the best team in the league. And Jacoby Brissett, yeah, he's like, okay, he's good enough. And then he comes out and yeah, has good. a third quarter in this game where he had a perfect pass rating in the third quarter. I think maybe uh, one incompletion or a couple incompletions there. They threw up two touchdowns in that third quarter, and that was really when they took the lead for good in this football game. He ended up uh, completing 26 of 39 passes, 326 yards, four touchdowns. So an Andrew Luck-like, I mean, as good as you could have wanted Jacoby Prezet to play with the rest of what they can do with that team, and especially on defense. And, and you nailed it. They're a tough team to play against. And I wonder if a team like the Buffalo Bills will get into. They play similar brand. And the Bills just haven't played anybody. The Colts just beat somebody. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't mean that as a knock at all on Brissett because if you, if you remember, even whenever Luck retired, I still picked them to win this division for all the reasons I mentioned before. It's a well-rounded team, you know, from general manager all the way down. Um, they're going to be a tough out, and they still absolutely could win this division. This doesn't change my opinion of Houston all that much, though. I mean, I still think they're a quality team, a dangerous team, and they're in it. Yep, a good team. They can beat anybody, uh, but they're 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 still flawed, and those flaws sometimes shine through. Watson, a couple of interceptions in this game. I still love Watson. I still think he's in the MVP conversation. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming back and doing his thing, 100 yards through the air, nine catches and a touchdown, so that made his fantasy owners very happy. Still a good team, a good football game there, but the Colts make a statement here and they take the lead in that AFC South. And uh, I think I'm with you on what you initially said here. These are two playoff teams we're watching and we'll see them again later in the season and we'll see them probably in January. Yeah, right, right. Maybe they'll play three times this year. Um, just real quick, I mean, it's funny. I mean, one day changes the perception so much. You mentioned the MVP category. I mean, Wilson was running away with it. Now I don't think he is. Aaron Rodgers just lit it up. I think his name's right back in the the you know the mix as it usually is. Um, it's just crazy how quickly the league changes at the drop of a hat. Yes, what have you done for me lately? And it's a small sample size league, so things can change very quickly. Let's get into Russell Wilson and his Seattle Seahawks, who lost at home to the Baltimore Ravens 30-16. to Not a great 
showing for Russell Wilson or the Seahawks at home. DK Metcalf fumbled late that was returned for a touchdown. Two defensive touchdowns for the Ravens in that one. Lamar Jackson running all over the place. It was almost like, okay, just drop back and then see where the spots are. You're going to have space to run and then go run a little bit. That was, it's Lamar Jackson and the Ravens can beat you in so many different ways, and their defense played a lot better in this game against Russell Wilson. That 30-16 to score for a team on the road in the Ravens, Lamar Jackson had never played in Seattle, a tough place to play. That was a huge win. One of the biggest wins, I think, of this weekend. Ravens now 5-2, and two, Seahawks 5-2. and two. Yeah, I really thought this would be eye-opening for the Ravens, especially when I saw Marquise Brown was inactive. I was like, this team's going in the right direction, but they're going to take the brunt of it in a brutal place to play. It was eye-opening, obviously, in the other way. And a couple things. We mentioned Wilson. Uh, a couple uncharacteristic mistakes. So I mean, it, I'm not worried the slightest bit about him. I mean, he still would be my MVP. Don't get me wrong. But I think Lamar Jackson has to like start to get in that conversation. His ability to make people miss, accelerate, stop, start, and he's not a bad passer is unbelievable. But he, of course, is the easy thing to look at in this game. But the thing I really noticed was now all of a sudden this defense – which has always been, well, lately, since, you know, uh, you know the, the, the studs from yesteryear retired, but it's very centric on their, their secondary. And I don't know if Peters is going to be a good fit or not, but, boy, he brings swagger and playmaking. Earl versus old team, blitzing them, not just playing them in center field. Humphreys, I mean, those three have a lot of Pro Bowl-type qualities, and all of a sudden the secondary is going to have a massive trickle down and allowing them to blitz, allowing them to stop the run, kind of like the Patriots do. Yeah, and I mentioned what uh, Lamar Jackson did there running, really, I think, was what hurt the Seahawks the most. But yeah, it was that Russell Wilson interception to the newest member of the Ravens and Marcus Peters, who jumped a little a little um, hitch route there and, and took the uh-huh. distance. 67-yard interception return for a touchdown. So immediate returns there for Marcus Peters in the Baltimore Ravens, and we talked about that AFC playoff picture. I think it's becoming more clear who the teams that are going to be there in the end are in the NFC, not quite so much. Yeah, agreed. And funny, like all the Steeler fans were keeping their fingers crossed saying, well, the Ravens will go there, they'll lose, and then the Steelers will come out of the bye and beat the Dolphins. No, it's <laughs> the AFC North belongs to Baltimore. And Seattle's going to have a, a, a bit of a stretch, a bit of a tough time now, and the NFC is loaded. We'll see. Let's go to... Atlanta, where the Rams did their thing against the Falcons. The Falcons continue to look like one of the worst teams in the NFL. A little get-right game for L.A. on the road. Some big road wins for some teams around the league. We'll get to a couple more of those. Uh, We already heard from one there with the Baltimore Ravens, but the Rams beat the Falcons 37-10. Great for the Rams. I mean, you get this team at the right time. I hope Matt Ryan is healthy. He's been one of the only good things about the Falcons. But... My takeaway is Atlanta is just horrible. I mean, I don't want to say that they've given up. I, I hate going down that road in, in professional sports, especially football. But I think they need a coaching change. Their defense is horrendous. They're clearly one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, now they're even starting to fight on the field. Freeman got ejected. Right. He punched Aaron Donald. Uh, just the frustration boiling over for the Falcons, losing at home, losing big. At home, there's an obvious coaching hot seat situation happening there. I don't know if there should be a GM hot seat situation happening there in Atlanta, but things aren't going great. And a good football team like the Rams bouncing back and 
and showing everybody that yeah, look, we we were three and three for six days. Now we're four and three. We're a really good team. Now they're only a game back of where Seattle is, who lost and are five and two in the NFC West. Yeah, yeah, the NFC West. I think just got a a bit of a shake up there just from those two games. You know, one week changes things so quick and. We know the Rams are a good football team. Um, they didn't even need to use Gurley, but he looked good when he was out there. Uh, they're they're still dangerous. There's no doubt. And uh, I am curious too to watch more reps of how Jalen Ramsey fared. He must have done pretty well. More Sunday recaps. Locked on NFL coming up next. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get one hundred dollars off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike, and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, let's go to Buffalo. I mentioned the Bills earlier, and uh, this is not the biggest, you know, barometer for the Bills and how good they are, but you know, they did their thing. They poured on 22 points in the fourth quarter to beat the Dolphins, 31-21. And actually, if you took anything away from this, it was probably closer than it needed to be for the Buffalo Bills at home. But the Bills now 5-1, second-best record in the AFC. Dolphins still perfect, fall to 0-6, perfect for what they're trying to do. And uh, you, you, <laughs> just, you just look at that Bills schedule, and it's Jets, Giants, Bengals, Dolphins. Uh, you know, They still haven't played anybody yet. The only team they have played is the Patriots. That was a really good game, which made me believe in the Bills, and I do believe in that Bills defense. They only lost 16-10. to 10. It was the only tough game the Patriots themselves have had this season, but I, I just don't really know if we'll ever find out exactly who the Bills are. There's not that many difficult games on the schedule, and so I don't know how much to believe in this 5-1 and one team, even though... On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's clear that they can play. Is that enough? Yeah, oh, they're definitely a good defense. But, I mean, they were losing 14-9 at the half. And yeah. uh, it, it kind of, for the first time all year, I actually thought the thought of, hey, the last time we saw the Dolphins, they were a failed two-point conversion from winning. They're, you know, in Buffalo playing what's, you know, a one-loss team pretty darn well through a half. And they have a they're maybe they're not as horrible, horrible, historically horrible as I originally thought. But the more I watch this game, 
I don't know that Buffalo's good. You know, it's kind of like you said. I mean, when Josh Allen is scattershot, they're in trouble, you know, and it happens often. And then sometimes he gets hot and they tear people up. But there's just a a lot of inconsistency with this team. And I think a lot of it stems from the quarterback. But in the end, you know, I mean, the thing about Miami is we may see this a couple times this year where they play a half pretty strong or, you know, come out of the gates and get an early lead on somebody. And then I always talk about basketball. Like sometimes Kentucky's down to a, a mid-tier team and then they just wear you out because you don't have the talent. You just can't keep up for 60 minutes. So I'm open to the fact that maybe Miami will be hard to play against for a few series, a half, something like that. But they just don't have the guys to be you know, there for four quarters. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, another team that doesn't have the players to be there for four quarters, although this game was tied at halftime 0-0, zero to zero, the 49ers on the road in Washington. This was wet. This was muddy. It got the 49ers out of their scheme. It was just a weird, odd game script. Surprisingly, there wasn't a bunch of fumbles in this game. There was one fumble from Adrian Peterson, uh, but the 49ers ended up pitching a shutout there. A missed field goal on the Redskins' first drive was about the only time they even threatened the 49ers in that game. And three Robbie Gold field goals later, 9-0 Niners in Washington. Yeah, I I want your take on this one more than mine, but the things that stick out to me are, hey, no matter what, a win's a win. You know, I thought the Niners would win by 30 in this one, but the the cliche of the weather being the great equalizer at times absolutely seemed to apply to this one. And I know you can excuse it away with weather and whatnot, but Jimmy's a little worrisome. Jimmy, not perfect. It's really hard to take any way, anything away from this game because there were some drops and it was just really sloppy and wet out there, and guys had trouble with their footing, and actually Garoppolo looked better as a runner than he did as a thrower at times. He uh, he had about 20 yards on the ground on four different scrambles, and uh, that really helped a couple of drives along for the 49ers, but weren't really able to hit anything. They tried to force-feed George Kittle a little bit. That wasn't working. Just the, the offense did not get off the ground for either team in this one, but for the 49ers, they were at least able to get close enough uh, within Robbie Gold range and, and kick a few field goals. But yeah, and that's still the worry. It's and it's still not a worry as if as in like Jimmy Garoppolo playing terrible. It's not like okay, Garoppolo's playing awful. We're we're worried. It's more like okay, we're we're waiting to see proof of something, and it's just hard to take proof from this game when it's that wet and that sloppy. And you know, you see someone like Nick Bosa on the very last play of the game, he sacks Case Keenum, and then just takes a slip and slide. Belly, yeah. belly first, and the whole team slides, and uh, it's just that's how wet and sloppy it was. It's, it's hard to take anything away from that game. So at this point, it's like, okay, good. The best team won. You escaped a weird game in weird conditions. Let's come back and see where we're at. But it's it's still there's that it's that last bit of okay, who's Garoppolo? Who's he going to be? He's still fourteen and two as a starter, so that's great. Let's see him put the team on his back and throw some points up there when they really need it. And you still need to see that this year. Yes, uh, and all those things are true, and there's five, six, seven games per year around the NFL where the weather just kind of is the story and takes over, and you really do have to throw those away when evaluating players, the footing's so bad, the ball's so hard to throw and catch and kick and all those things. But I am a Jimmy fan. Anyone that's been listening knows I am a believer, and I'm not saying it's the Bears situation, but that's my biggest worry with the Niners right now. 
Uh, one thing not to worry about with the 49ers is their defense and the defensive front, no. and it's just dominating. No matter the conditions, no matter the field type, no matter their opponents so far this year. Let's take a look at this Cardinals-Giants game. 27-21 the final. The Cardinals are now 3-3, three and three, so there are no teams that are below 500 in the NFC West. And the New York Giants at home losing this one. They fall to 2-5. and five. And we talked a little bit about this one on the air. The big takeaway from this game is all those fantasy football players who did not have Chase Edmonds <laughs> in their lineup. <laughs> yeah, I, I, nobody wants to hear about my fantasy team. I mean, that's the golden rule of fantasy. But... I have an undefeated team in my in my main league, and my I, I, Kyler Murray's my quarterback. My top three receivers are on bye, so I started Larry. I started Dennis, David Johnson, who was my first round pick. I started Kyler Murray, thinking this is going to be a barn burner. You know, we talked about it on Friday points galore, all kinds of skill dudes. Well, of course, David Johnson gets one carry. He was questionable, pulls whatever was bugging him, and Edmonds is sitting on my bench, running crazy and. They were able to hold on. I mean, I'm not sure the Cardinals were the best team down the stretch in this one, but they got out early, Edmonds, and uh, the weather kind of was a problem here. But it was good seeing Saquon back out there. I think both these quarterbacks are works in progress. Uh, one game real quick I want to get to before we uh, take a look at the Saints and Bears game, which is now becoming final. It was the last game that had not finished when we started recording here Sunday afternoon. But uh, Jaguars on the road. They did what they needed to do to beat the 0-7 now Bengals 27-17. I don't know if you have any notes to take away from this one. Leonard Fournette, 131 yards on the ground. Here's all you need to know about this game is the Bengals' defense was the worst rushing defense in the league coming into this, right? Mm -hmm. And we got the expected results, 216 yards on the ground by Jacksonville. But here's all you need to know. The, the Bengals ran for 33 yards in this game. Andy Dalton had four carries for 33 yards. Joe Mixon had 10 carries for two yards. Gio Bernard had four carries for zero yards. And Erickson had two carries for minus two yards. That's all you need to know. I mean, just getting killed on line scrimmage in both facets, they have very, very little chance of winning football games. Yeah, and those Bengals games, I saw it with the 49ers already this year. There's not much else you have to do in those games when you're popping off yeah. seven yards per carry on offense, and they can't do anything uh, at the line of scrimmage on on their offensive side of the ball, and those games are just over before they start because when you win that overwhelmingly on the line of scrimmage, that's the ball game. No, no funny ball bounces, no big plays can really help you at that point. Yeah, designed carries, 16 for zero. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And with yeah. Jacksonville, it was just all on the ground. They pounded it with Fournette, what, 30 times in that game? So. That's the game script for you. Uh, let's take a look at this Saints-Bears game that is now gone final coming up. Another big road win. These two heavy hitters in the NFC. It was the New Orleans Saints that come out on top. Teddy Bridgewater remains unbeaten as the Saints starter. 36-25 over the Bears in Chicago. Yeah, and this is another one the Bears' defense is good, and maybe it's not where it was last year, but they were so worn out at the end of this. And I know, I mean, the, the, the score makes this look a lot closer than it was because this is Blake Bortles' garbage time galore from Trubisky, and Cordero Patterson took a, a kickoff to the house. 
The Saints were just efficient. They always had the ball. And it's become very apparent in today's NFL that if you're you have to play complementary football. If your defense is out there too long, it gets exposed. You know, the Bears pass rush in the fourth quarter couldn't get off the ball. Their pad level was terrible. They couldn't get multiple tacklers to the ball. I mean, it was just worn out. Really strange, too, for the Bears in this one because they just kept trying to throw and kept trying to throw to come back. And, and this game wasn't even yeah. as close as the 36-25 score would lead you no. to believe. Mitch Trubisky dropped back 54 times and completed 34 passes, but just nothing downfield. He's off target too often. Didn't throw any bad interceptions or anything like that, but it was just when you throw it 54 times and you only have 251 yards, you know, 4.6 average is just is not great. Um, Allen Robinson had a nice line in this one with 10 catches, but only 87 yards with it, with his uh, touchdown. And it's just, it's dink and dunk. And when he tries to go down the field, he's off too often. And no sustained drives there. And it reminds me of a few weeks ago. Remember Jared Goff? They were trying to come back, uh, that Rams team against, um, oh shoot, I don't remember who it was now, but Goff ended up throwing it nearly 60 times. But he right. threw for 500 yards. And this was the same game script for the Bears and Trubisky, but he threw for 251 yards on those 54 attempts. So he just, you, at some point you realize, okay, this offense is terrible. They've got to do something here. It's not Chase uh, Daniel, and it's not, Mitch Trubisky, what do you do if you're the Bears? I mean, we've talked about calling for Dalton or Foles or, you know, Fitzpatrick even. All those would be better options, in my opinion. I mean, you kind of summed it up here. I mean, if I told you Mitchell Trubisky is going to throw 54 passes in their the Bears' next 10 games, I would bet that I'll give you their over-under win total at .5. Like, they'll be 0-10. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not going to beat anybody with him throwing the ball 54 times. On the other side, efficiency from Teddy Bridgewater. It seems like there's a little bit more confidence and more consistency every week with Teddy Bridgewater that he gets to play. He was 23 of 38, 281 yards, uh, two touchdowns there. He was only sacked one time, so the Saints did a really good job just everywhere as they do and uh, were able to run the ball as well. Latavius Murray took it for 119 yards on 27 carries and a couple of scores. Yeah, and I think what's interesting here is First of all, they didn't have Alvin Kamara, <laughs> and yeah, that's the he is just a, tr- a tremendous player. I-, I mentioned before, Sean Payton's my coach of the year at this point, and this even affirmed that. Um, the talk, though, you know, is when this game was out of reach, which was pretty much the third quarter, was might Breeze come back next week? Although their buys the week after, and I- I- I'm not, a- I hate talking medicine and doctor stuff, but why not just sit them for those two and then come back with guns a blazing? Yeah, because Bridgewater's version of the team has played so well that give you that extra couple weeks, make sure you're good. But then at the other side of things, it's like, okay, Drew Brees, he says he feels good and he's cleared by doctors. He's going to come back. So it doesn't matter when that is. And he's competitive too. So Brees is going to be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's just hang out and not play this week. He's like, nope. He's itching to get in there. When he's ready to go, I got a feeling he's going to go. And how much better is that team going to be? with Drew Brees in there, and I think confidence throughout the roster now that everyone's good enough to be a Super Bowl contender. They get their guy back. Watch out for the Saints. Might be the best team in football at that point when Brees is back. Yeah, and maybe Kamara sits this upcoming week and then goes to the bye, and then he comes out guns ablaze, and then look out. Let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? We have the well, the let's Vikings. Chargers-Titans real quick. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Mind. By the way, just a weird game at the end. There was probably 30 
real time minutes what I wanted of to talk about. reviews, and it's so hard to review those plays that are within inches and all scrummed up around the line of scrimmage. There was the Titans and uh, Tannehill with the QB sneak, and then when the Chargers had the ball, trying to pound it into the end zone on the other side. After that, just a weird finish. I think it ended up being correct in the end, even if it was by accident. That's that's why I wanted to bring it up because I've been so critical of the officials. I think it's only fair when they get a tough call right that would have made the difference in a game, and they absolutely did to finish that one with the fumble that Casey recovered. So I just wanted to give him credit for that. Um, the other notes here too, and I thought it was apparent near the end of the game too. Are the Chargers better if they trade Melvin Gordon and just let Eckler be the guy? I mean, their <laughs> yeah, offense maybe. was really good until Gordon got back, and then they keep feeding them, and it's not that he's a bad player. Just the way they're designed, they need to throw the ball to Eckler and get it out of Rivers' hands and not try to run the ball up behind a bad line. I mean, I, I just don't think that it's the best way of playing football for them. So Eckler is more important to them than Gordon, I think. And lastly, it's pretty clear, too, that um, – Tannehill was a better option than Mariota. And all of a sudden, you know, very talented young receivers like Corey Davis and A.J. Brown look like, oh, those guys could maybe be stars. Right. I think that's clear. I think he's just better getting the ball down the field a little bit, outside the numbers a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. and More of a risk taker. Right, yeah, played a really good game. And I think that's clear that it's his show now and maybe Marcus Mariota maybe he's a guy that you could hear his name on the move if they've made that decision now and it's Tannehill Mm -hmm. and then you move the other guy because you don't want there to be any conversation that that the guy that you decide on isn't your guy anymore so Ryan Tannehill looks like he's gonna be the quarterback the rest of the way here for the Titans they come out and win this game narrowly 23-20 over the Chargers let's and great point about Davis and A.J. Brown they were too good to have been you know yeah. Two catches a game, three catches a game. It's just no. They're they're better than that and I think they can both be feature weapons, which is scary because the Titans can play defense. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I'm not saying they're all of a sudden a contender, but it's a huge win for them and it's nice to see some, you know, some potential being revealed from guys I really liked like Davis and Brown. Okay, a couple more games here real quick. NFC North, it was the Packers who, who blew out the Raiders 42-24, and the story here is Aaron Rodgers, five touchdown passes, racked up 429 yards through the air. Yeah, I guess we can make this quick, too. I mean, I think it, someone said Aaron Rodgers had his best statistical game of his career. And, oh, by the way, they didn't have Devontae Adams. So I think things are rounding into shape in Green Bay. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had only two catches, but for hundred what was 130 three yards so yeah he had a 74 yarder and another 60 yarder uh so big plays there from marquez valdez scandling who they didn't know if he was even going to be able to play this week and really spread the ball around Uh, nobody had more than four catches multiple guys with four catches in that game for the packers and i think we've seen what we need to see from the raiders nice little story they're not going to be a contender i don't think but josh jacobs 124 yards on the ground on 21 carries. So, you know, averaging nearly six yards per carry there for Josh Jacobs. But the Raiders just don't have the firepower to to hang to hang in the end. Yeah, and Jacobs is an absolute keeper. Maybe offensive rookie of the year. I think he's going to be a, a, a great player. Their defense needs an awful lot of work. And, and they're really short on receivers right now, too. Yeah, they are very short. And last one here of those road teams that went to a difficult place to win, it was the Minnesota Vikings, 42-30. They improved to 5-2 and two now, uh, still one game back of the Packers in the NFC North, but creating some separation from the Bears now 
and the Detroit Lions. Uh, they fall to two, three, and one on the season. Humongous win for the Vikings, and they're really growing on me as a true contender. Cousins has settled down. You know, a, a big knock or a big worry for me, I guess, in today's NFL is who's that third receiver for the Vikings? And then Thielen gets hurt on that great touchdown catch, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, they don't they don't have enough dudes. And I'm not saying they do, but I thought it was encouraging guys like Irv Smith are starting to be contributors. And, of course, Cook is the, the you know the straw that serves the drink, and Diggs isn't complaining anymore and is racking up massive numbers, and their defense is really good, and Daniil Hunter is a superstar that people don't talk about enough. And, again, this doesn't crush my hopes for the – well, kind of, I think their hopes are kind of crushed, but doesn't crush my opinion of the Lions and Marvin Jones with four touchdowns. How about that? Um, but Stafford made a mistake or two, and I just think the Vikings are one of the best teams in the league. Right. When the when Kirk Cousins is on and the Vikings defense is doing their thing, they've got plenty of playmakers on offense, and you named them Cook and Diggs and even Thielen. Uh, he went down in this one, but uh, the, the duo at tight end, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, I think they're going to be fine. I think maybe it was overblown how bad Kirk Cousins was earlier in the season yes. because he still played at a high level in the NFL in his career, and he's starting to play a little bit better now. They've gotten things figured out. Everyone's happy, and uh, they're playing very good football. Absolutely. They're, they are a contender. All right. That's going to do it, Matt. Good stuff there. We rapidly took you through all of those Sunday afternoon games. We'll be breaking down the primetime stuff tomorrow. And all of the latest news right here, Locked On NFL.